Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm Linda Weiniger, the mom, and we are going to be reading Doctrine and Covenants section 105, I mean section 106 to 108, and we're going to get into it because we don't want to waste any more time. Okay, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the Prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, November 25th, 1834. This revelation is directed to Warren A. Cowdery, an older brother of Oliver Cowdery. I guess Oliver Cowdery was converted um, first to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Warren was not. Uh, one to three, Warren A. Cowdery is called as a local presiding officer. Um, four to five, the second coming will not overtake the children of light as a thief. Six to eight, great blessings follow faithful service in the church. Okay, but he's obviously a member now, but Oliver Cowdery was a member first and then his brother. It is my will that my servant Warren A. Cowdery should be appointed and ordained a presiding high priest over my church in the land of freedom and the regions roundabout, and should preach my everlasting gospel and lift up his voice and warn the people, not only in his own place, but in the adjoining counties, and devote his whole time to this high and holy calling, which I now give unto him, seeking diligently the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all things necessary shall be added thereunto for the laborer is worthy of his hire. And again, verily I say unto you, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh and it overtaketh the world as a thief in the night. Five, therefore gird up your loins that you may be the children of light and that day shall not overtake you as a thief. Oh, that is beautiful. So... If we are girding up our loins, then we can be the children of light. And if we're the children of light, darkness can't overtake us. Oh, that's sweet. That's like a great promise. And again, verily I say unto you, there was joy in heaven when my servant Warren bowed to my scepter and separated himself from the crafts of men. Therefore, blessed is my servant Warren, for I will have mercy on him, and notwithstanding the vanity of his heart, I will lift him up inasmuch as he will humble himself before me. Like, I love this because he says that he's still accepting Warren, even though he has a weakness, which is vanity of his heart. Now we have weaknesses, and if the Lord plugged something in there for us, we could liken the scripture like, therefore blessed is my servant Linda, for I will have mercy on her, notwithstanding the chocolate desires of her heart. <laughs> I will lift her up inasmuch as she will humble herself before me. And so, you know, even though I struggle with that, he's going to help me, and he will have mercy on me, um because of that weakness. Now, he knows the intentions of our heart, but other people, when, when we see them doing things, especially not the brightest things towards us or towards other people, we don't think that they know the intentions of our heart. And then we also don't know the intentions of their heart, right? And so when other people are doing things that we think might be dumb, hurtful or lame then and we don't know why they do these things um i love that the lord is helping us learn how to deal with that where we need to have mercy 
even though they struggle with something. And it just helps me know that I can have patience with others, um, but I can also have patience with myself because I have weaknesses and shortcomings. And sometimes I wonder if I can do something or not because the Lord knows that it's not perfect. And this is what he said to his servant, Warren, right? And it's just humbling. Verse eight, and I will give him grace and assurance wherewith he may stand. And if he continue to be faithful, uh, or sorry, if he continue to be a faithful witness and a light unto the church, I have prepared a crown for him in the mansions of my father. Even so, amen. So he's extending us that grace and assurance. We could do the same with our brothers and sisters. And we can trust in the Lord knowing that if we continue to be faithful witnesses and a light unto the church, that we have also been assured that crown that he's talking about and the mansions of the Father. So isn't that awesome? Like, it's just such a great promise and helps you look forward to the second coming even more. (laughs) Okay, section 107, revelation given to... Joseph Smith, the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, about April 1835. Although this section was recorded in 1835, the historical records affirm that most of verses 60 through 100 incorporate a revelation given through Joseph Smith on November 11th, 1831. This section was associated with the organization of the Quorum of the Twelve in February and March 1835. The prophet likely delivered it in the presence of those who were preparing to depart May 3rd, 1835 on their first quorum mission. Also, I think I, I think it was in the last one, maybe. I think I mentioned something about the, uh, it was the, the high council or the, it was where people, you know, need to come and bring their, their issue with, being excommunicated or needing help or something. I can't remember exactly what I said, but there's like that council that they have and they were trying to figure out like how many votes need to be in for it to count. Anyway, I I think I said something about the 12 apostles, but that's obviously incorrect because now they're talking about it here. <laughs> the 12 apostles are going to be covered here in this one. So he hadn't actually called the 12 apostles. Um, this is how we learn. This is how we learn. So one to six, there are two priesthoods, the Melchizedek and the Aaronic. Seven to 12, those who hold the Mel- Melchizedek priesthood have power to officiate in all offices of in the church. 13 to 17, the... Bishopric presides over the Aaronic priesthood, which administers in outward ordinances. 18 to 20, the Melchizedek priesthood holds the keys of all spiritual blessings. The Aaronic priesthood holds the keys of the ministering of angels. 21 to 38, the first presidency of the 12. I mean, the first presidency, the 12, the 12 and the 70 constitute the presiding quorums whose decisions are to be made in unity and righteousness. 59 to, or 39 to 52, 
the patriarchal order is established from Adam to Noah. Ancient saints assembled at Adam on Diamond and the Lord appeared to them, 58 to 67. The 12 are set, no, the 12 are to set the officers of the church in order, 68 to 76. Bishops serve as common judges in Israel, 77 to 84. The priests, the first presidency and the 12 constitute the highest court in the church, 85 to 100. Priesthood presidents govern their respective quorums. Okay, and this was uh, number section 107 was the section that President Nelson actually um, wanted us, the women of the church, to read. Um, let me see if I can find. He challenged us. He said, this was in the 2019 General Conference, he said, I entreat you to study prayerfully all the truths you can find about priesthood power. You might begin with Doctrine and Covenants section 84 and 107. Those sections will lead you to other passages. The scriptures and teachings by modern prophets, seers, and revelators are filled with these truths. As your understanding increases and as you exercise faith in the Lord and his priesthood power, your ability to draw upon this spiritual treasure that the Lord has made available will increase. As you do so, you will find yourselves better able to help create eternal families that are united, sealed in the temple of the Lord, and full of love for our Heavenly Father and for Jesus Christ. Isn't that neat? So I'm excited to get into this 107 section. It's crazy because apparently I was supposed to have read it already. <laughs> so here we go. I feel like I did read it and maybe I didn't do anything with it. Um, maybe I didn't, but I know that I at least highlighted several, um, things in these scriptures. So hopefully I'll remember even why I highlighted them. Okay. Verse one, there are in the church two priesthoods, namely the Melchizedek and Aaronic, including the Levitical priesthood. Why the first is called the Melchizedek priesthood is because Melchizedek was such a great high priest. Before his day, it was called the Holy Priesthood after the order of the Son of God. But out of respect or reverence to the name of the Supreme Being, to avoid the too frequent repetition of his name, they, the church in ancient days, called that priesthood after Melchizedek, or the Melchizedek Priesthood. All other authorities or offices in the church are appendages to this priesthood. But there are two divisions or grand heads. One is the Melchizedek priesthood and the other is the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood. The office of an elder comes under the priesthood of Melchizedek. The Melchizedek priesthood holds the right of, the pres of presidency and has power and authority over all the offices in the church in all ages of the world to administer in spiritual things. The presidency of the high priesthood after the order of Melchizedek have a right to officiate in all offices in the church. High priests after the order of Melchizedek, after the order of the Melchizedek priesthood have a right to officiate in their own standing under the direction of the pre presidency in administering spiritual things and also in the order or in the office of an elder priest of the Levitical order, teacher, deacon, and member. Okay, so there's a couple quotes here. 
verses four to five that I read, um, talks about Melchizedek lived at, here in this redheaded hostess. They say that Melchizedek lived thousands of years ago during the time of Abraham. He was a man of faith. As a child, he feared God and stopped the mouths of lions that you can find in Genesis chapter 14, verse 26. Melchizedek was a great high priest after the order of the Son of God, is what it says, um, that we just read. Abraham paid his tithes and offerings to Melchizedek. That's pretty cool. He was the king of Salem, where the people had become wicked. Melchizedek held the priesthood and he preached repentance and ultimately the city repented and became Zion. Melchizedek used the priesthood to help prepare, save, and exalt people. He was a great representative of the holy priesthood after the order of the Son of God. Because of this, the priesthood was named after him in order to treat the proper name of the priesthood with reverence. And then 6 to 17, we're currently on um, verse 11 says, it is important to remember, as President Oaks and others have taught, that men are not the priesthood. Men hold the priesthood with the sacred duty to use it for blessing of all of the children of God. These verses outline how the priesthood is organized and functions within the church. The Melchizedek priesthood administers in spiritual matters, and there are offices organized for this, but the priesthood is greater than the offices. The presidency of the high priesthood after the order of Melchizedek have a right to officiate in all of the offices in the church. Now we are talking about specific people, high priests. Who are these high priests that, that are being referred to in this verse, or more specifically, the presidency of the high priesthood? In today's language, they would be called the first presidency. And a cool fact here. Um, and maybe I'll keep reading for a minute and then share the cool fact. Okay, number 11, an elder has a right to officiate in his stead when the high priest is not present. The high priest and the, el- and the elder are to administer in spiritual things agreeable to the covenants and commandments of the church. And they have a right to officiate in all these offices of the church when there are no higher authorities present. present. The second priesthood... Oh, excuse me. The second priesthood is called the priesthood of Aaron because it was conferred upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations. Why is it why it is called the lesser priesthood is because it is an appendage to the greater or the Melchizedek priesthood and has power to administering outward ordinances. The bishopric is the pres- presidency of this priesthood and holds the keys or authority of the same. Number 16 No man has legal right to this office to hold the keys of this priesthood, except he be a literal descendant of Aaron. Well, I'm falling asleep, so I had to get some push-ups in there. Okay, but as a high priest of the Melchizedek priesthood has authority to officiate in all the lesser offices, he may officiate in the office of bishop when no literal descendant of Aaron can be found, provided he is called and set apart and ordained unto this power by the hands of the presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood. Okay, so let me read that little tidbit. Here it says, The Nephites, fun fact, did not officiate under the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. They were not descendants of Aaron, and there were no Levites among them. There is no evidence 
in the Book of Mormon that they held the Aaronic priesthood. But the Book of Mormon tells us definitely in many places that the priesthood which they held and under which they officiated was the priesthood after the holy order, the order of the Son of God. This higher priesthood can officiate in every ordinance of the gospel. And Jacob and Joseph, for instance, were consecrated priests and teachers after this order. And this was a comment from uh, President Joseph Fielding Smith. And you can find it in the Doctrines of Salvation 386. 3 colon 86. Um, okay, so we're going to read number 18. The power and authority of the higher Melchizedek priesthood is to hold the keys of all spiritual blessings of the church, to have the privilege of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, to have the heavens open unto them, to commune with the general assembly and church of the firstborn, and to enjoy the communion and presence of, the, of God the Father and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. The power and authority of the lesser or Aaronic priesthood is to hold the keys of the ministering of angels and to administer in outward ordinances the letter of the gospel, the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins agreeable to the covenants and commandments. Of necessity, there are presidents or presiding officers growing out of or appointed of or from among those who are ordained to the several offices in these two priesthoods. Of the Melchizedek priesthood, three presiding high priests chosen by the body, appointed and ordained to that office and upheld by the confidence, faith, and prayer of the church form a quorum of the, of the presidency of the church. The 12 traveling counselors are called to be the 12 apostles or special witnesses of the name of Christ in all the world, thus differing from other officers in the church, in the duties of their calling. And they form a quorum equal in authority and power to the three presidents previously mentioned. The 70 are also called to preach the gospel and to be special witnesses unto the Gentiles and in all the world, thus differing from other officers in the church in the duties of their calling. Especial versus special. Especial means surpassing what is common, usual, or expected, exceptional, particular, special is just unique or specific to a person or category. That's cool. I actually had that um, plugged in there because a special is not like an actual, there's not a footnote or anything there, but I had put a little note in there because I guess I was curious about what that meant. So that's awesome. Proof that I actually read it. <laughs> Okay, 26, and they form a quorum equal in authority to that of the 12 special witnesses or apostles just named. And every decision made by either of these quorums must be by the unanimous voice of the same, that is, every member in each quorum must be agreed to its decision in order to make their decisions of the same power or validity one with the other. The majority may form a quorum when circumstances render it impossible to be otherwise. Unless this is the case, their decisions are not entitled to the same blessings which the decisions of the quorum of three presidents were, ex were anciently who were ordained after the order of Melchizedek and were righteous and holy men. Okay, we're stopped on verse 30, but I forgot to read this piece about 
the ministering of angels from verse 20. <laughs> I don't know how I passed it. Um, but I guess it's just because of the fact that we're, it's moving pretty, pretty good in here. But anyways, the ministering of angels, how does the Aaronic priesthood hold the key of ministering of angels here listed in the, um, redhead hostess, a quote from Dallin H. Oaks from the October, 1998 general conference set. He says, the answer is the same as for the spirit of the Lord. In general, the blessings of spiritual companionship and communication are only available to those who are clean. As explained earlier, though, uh, as explained earlier, through the Aaronic priesthood ordinances of baptism and the sacrament, we are cleansed of our sins and promise that if we keep our covenants, we will always have his spirit to be with us. I believe that promise not only refers to the Holy Ghost, but also to the ministering of angels. For angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. So it is that those who hold the Aaronic priesthood open the door for all church members who worthily partake of the sacrament to enjoy the companionship of the spirit of the Lord and the ministering of angels. So cool. And the life-changing blessings that the Melchizedek priesthood brings is important to know that um, they're not just talking about men who hold the priesthood, but it's about all members of the church who partake of the power which the Melchizedek priesthood offers. So it is both for us women and and for men. Um, President Nelson talks about this more in depth for direct access to the power of God. He says, how I yearn for you to understand that the restoration of the priesthood is just as relevant to you as a woman as it is to any man. Okay, Flora, pay attention. Because the Melchizedek priesthood has been restored, both covenant-keeping women and men have access to all the spiritual blessings of the church, or we might say to all the spiritual treasures the Lord has for his children. Every woman and every man who makes covenants with God and keeps those covenants and who participates worthily in priesthood ordinances has direct access to the power of God. Those who are endowed in the house of the Lord receive a gift of God's priesthood power by virtue of their covenant, along with the gift of knowledge to know how to draw upon that power. The heavens are just as open to women who are endowed with God's power flowing from their priesthood covenants as they are to men who bear the priesthood. I pray that I pray that truth will register upon each of your hearts because I believe it will change your life. Sisters, you have the right to draw liberally upon the Savior's power to help your family and others you love. And I know that this is so true. And I have seen that healing blessing in my life um, from being able to attend the temple and just getting that reminder of who we are and who we're capable of becoming um uh something it was an activity that someone described um i think it was kristen walker smith on her one minute scripture study podcast she talked about an activity that they had at church and it was a flashlight activity where they gave all the young men a flashlight and or maybe this was an activity she wanted to have i don't know Anyway, so you give all the young men a flashlight and they all go into the gym and in the gym, everybody goes in, the young women and the young men, but the young men turn on the flashlights and it's supposed to help us see that, 
even though the young men are holding the flashlights, the young women can benefit from the light that is shining from all the flashlights. And I kind of like that visual because sometimes we think that the priesthood is something that we don't get to have or hold, but they just hold the flashlight. That's it. Like, sure, it might have a couple extra buttons, but we don't need to hold the flashlight in order to benefit from all the blessings that come from that light and that power. And so I, I really like that um, visual. And I think it would be a great activity that we could have to kind of teach the youth this and the young women this as well. Because sometimes I think, especially as youth, we don't, we don't recognize that. And the, and the young women don't recognize it either. And so it would be good to kind of have that as the activity. Um, okay. Actually, we just played this game called Alcatraz. And it could have been actually like a really cool transition to figure to kind of show this lesson and and that but they had a different theme it was um it was like the the adversaries traps and trying to trying to catch us and stuff so anyway um let's keep going we are on verse 30 the decisions of these quorums or either of them are to be made in all righteousness in holiness and in lowliness of heart, meekness and long suffering, and in faith and virtue and knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Those are some, that's a good list that we could have to uh, work towards, you know, having intentions for the week. Like this week, I want to work on my meekness, you know, might be kind of cool. Um, 31, because the promise is if these things abound in them, they shall not be unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. And in case that any decision of these quorums is made in unrighteousness, it may be brought before a general assembly of the several of the several quorums, which constitute the spiritual authorities of the church. Otherwise, there can be no appeal from their decision. The twelve are to travel are are a traveling presiding high council to officiate in the name of the Lord under the direction of the presidency of the church agreeable to the institution of heaven to build up the church and regulate all the affairs of the same in all nations first unto the Gentiles and secondly unto the Jews the 70 are to act in the name of the Lord under the direction of the 12 or the traveling high council in building up the church and regulating all the affairs of the same in all nations, first unto the Gentiles and then to the Jews. Okay, wait, we're going to pause. We're in 35. Um, they were talking about the traveling high council. There's a quote from President Boyd K. Packer. He says, I am no different from the brethren of the 12 and uh, the 70 and the bishopric when who, with whom I have served for these 47 years. When I tell you that the records show I have been in Mexico and Central and South America more than 75 times. Wow. In Europe, over 50 times. Canada, 25 times. The islands of the Pacific, 10 times. Asia, 10 times. And Africa, four times. Also China, twice. To Israel, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Bahrain, I don't know, the Dominican Republic, India, Pakistan, Egypt, Indonesia, and many, many other places around the globe. Others have traveled even more than that. 
Wow, President Packer. He is... Hashtag goals right there. 40 or 50 times to Europe. Oh, jelly. 75 times to South America. Dude, these brethren, they're amazing. Like, they're, they're not even doing this when they're super young either. This is They're traveling these places when they're old, which would be really, I think, a lot harder. Um, then they have here another note. Um, the 12 apostles are traveling, presiding high council to help build up the church and regulate all the affairs of the same in all nations. And so it's kind of cool. They just get to go all over. And then President Faust explained that unanimity, unanimity, it's like the voting when everybody's unanimous, provides a check on bias. Ooh, excuse me. Provides a check on bias and personal personal idiosyncrasies. It ensures that God rules through the spirit, not man through majority of compromise. It guards against the fables of man. Yeah, so when they all vote, they have to bring up subjects and vote on things and choose together um, for the good of the rest of the church, right? Okay, number 36, the standing high councils at the stakes of Zion form a quorum equal in authority in the affairs of the church and all their decisions to the quorum of the presidency or to the traveling high council. And another quote here, it says, just as the entire quorum of the 12 apostles is equal in authority and the quorum of the 70 is equal in authority, likewise, all of the stake high councils are equal in authority. Therefore, if the first presidency was no longer, the apostles then would have authority. Likewise, the entire quorum of the 70 would preside if the quorum of the 12 was no longer. And if there were no 70, then all of the high councils would have the authority. This is the order of the priesthood and an explanation of where the authority lies. President Harry Lee taught that as far as authority and priesthood keys are held, each apostle has the potential to serve as president of the church. He instructed... The beginning of the call of one to be the president of the church actually begins when he is called, ordained, and set apart to become a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Such a call places each apostle in a priesthood quorum of twelve men holding the apostleship. Each apostle so ordained under the hands of the president of the church who holds the keys of the kingdom of God in concert with all other ordained apostles has given to him the priesthood authority necessary to hold every position in the church even to a position of presidency over the church if he were called by the presiding authority and sustained by a vote of the constituent assembly of the membership of the church. And then Elder Bruce R. McConkie explained, when the president of the church passes on, the first presidency is disorganized and the mantle of leadership, the reins of presidency go to the senior man left on the council of the 12 as a body in effect, the Council of the Twelve then becomes the first presidency of the church and so continues unless until a formal reorganization takes place. So many things. <laughs> okay, number 37. The High Council and Zion form a quorum equal in authority in the affairs of the church in all their decisions to the councils of the Twelve at the stakes of Zion. 
It is the duty of the traveling high council to call upon the 70 when they need assistance to fill the several calls for preaching and administering the gospel instead of any others. It is the duty of the 12 in all large branches of the church to ordain evangelical ministers as they shall be designated unto them by revelation. The order of this priesthood was confirmed to be handed down from father to son and rightly belongs to the literal descendants of the chosen seed to whom the promises were made. I have a little note here. It says priesthood line. Ideally, the priesthood should be handed down from father to son. That's how it was done anciently. So 41, this order was instituted in the days of Adam and came down by lineage in the following manner. Oh, and then, you know, you guys have heard and read where it's like, and -and so-and-so was the dad, and -and so-and-so was the dad, and -and so-and-so, or so-and-so is the son of so-and-so. Uh, from Adam to Seth, to Seth, who was ordained by Adam at the age of 69 years and was blessed by him three years previous to his Adam's, to his Adam's death and received the promise of God by his father that his posterity should be chosen of the Lord and that they should be preserved unto the end of the earth. Because he, Seth, was a perfect man and his likeness was the express likeness of his father insomuch that he seemed to be like unto his father in all things and could be distinguished from him only by his age. Enos was ordained. That'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. (laughs) That your kid is like only your child because he's a younger version of yourself. But like he's pretty much just like you. That'd be cool. Enos was ordained at the age of 134 years and four months by the hand of Adam. God, God called upon Canaan in the wilderness in the 40, 40th year of his age, and he met Adam in journeying to the place Shadolamach. He was 87 years old when he received his ordination. Mahalalil was 40, 496 years and seven days old when he was ordained by the hand of Adam, who was also blessed by him. Jared was 200 years old when he was ordained under the hand of Adam, who also blessed him. Enoch was 25 years old when he was ordained under the hand of Adam, and he was 65, and and Adam blessed him. And he saw the Lord, and he walked with him, and was before his face continually. And he walked with God 365 years, making him 430 years old when he was translated. Wow. Okay. So there's lots of verses here. <laughs> um, Methuselah was 100 years old with just like a bunch of people's ages and doing stuff. Was 100 years old when he was ordained under the hand of Adam. Lamech was 32 years old when he was ordained under the hand of Seth. Noah was 10 years old when he was ordained under the hand of Methuselah. Oh, Noah, he was 10. Okay, there's a couple quotes. But I don't know if I'm going to read them now. Okay, let me see. I'll read this one. It says in the article about the naming and blessing of children, Susan Easton Black taught this about the patriarchal order. When Jehovah entered into a covenant relationship with Abram, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. The Lord did the same thing with Jacob. When he extended to Jacob the same covenant he made with Abraham. We follow a similar pattern when entering into covenants with Christ in the waters of baptism. At, the, at that time, we take upon ourselves the name of Christ, and that becomes the name by which we are called. 
the higher covenants of the temple also involve the giving and receiving of names. In each of these cases, the one giving the name assumes responsibility for protecting, loving, and nurturing the one receiving the, the new name. And the recipient of the name, in turn, is to honor the name giver and follow his counsel. In this context, it is appropriate that when one of our Heavenly Father's spirit children enters mortality, he or she is given a new name by one bearing priesthood authority, ideally the one who helped create the body for the child and the one whom God has entrusted his child in mortality. At its best, this new relationship between father and mother and child should extend into eternity as part of a covenant relationship called the patriarchal order. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> okay, so three years previous, oh, uh, 53. Three years previous to the death of Adam, he called Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalil, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah. who were all high priests with the residue of his posterity, who, who were righteous into the valley of Adam on Diamond, and there bestowed upon them his last blessing. And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam and called him Michael, the prince, the archangel. Ah, uh, yeah. And the Lord administered... <laughs> You'll get to know him more in the temple. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head. A multitude of nations shall come of thee and thou art a prince over them forever. And Adam stood up in the midst of the congregation and notwithstanding he was bowed down with age being full of the Holy Ghost predicted whatsoever should befall his posterity unto the last generation. These things were all written in the book of Enoch and are to be testified of in due time. It is the duty of the twelve also to ordain and set in order all of the other officers of the church agreeable to the revelation which says to the church of christ in the land of zion in addition to the church laws respecting church business okay sorry i'm trying to stay awake so i'm doing some squats <laughs> but now i can't i needed a break Verily I say unto you, saith the Lord of hosts, there must needs be presiding elders to preside over those who are of the office of an elder. And also priests to preside over those who are, the, who are of the office of a priest. And also the teachers to preside over those who are of the office of a teacher. In like manner, and also the deacons. Wherefore, from deacon to teacher, and from teacher to priest, and from priest to the elder, severally as they are appointed according to the covenants and commandments of the church. Then comes the high priesthood, which is the greatest of all. Wherefore, it must needs be that one be appointed of the high priesthood to preside over the priesthood. And he shall be called president of the high priesthood of the church. Or, in other words, the presiding high priest over the high priesthood of the church. From the same comes the administering of ordinances and blessings upon the church by the laying on of hands. Wherefore, the office of bishop is not equal unto it, for the office of a bishop is in administering all temporal things. Nevertheless, a bishop must be chosen from the high priesthood unless he is a literal descendant of Aaron. For unless he is a literal descendant of Aaron, he cannot hold the keys of that priesthood. 
Nevertheless, a high priest that is, after the order of Melchizedek, may be set apart unto the ministering of temporal things, having a knowledge of them by the spirit of truth, and also to be judged, to be a judge in Israel, to do the business of the church, to sit in judgment upon transgressors, upon testimony, as it shall be laid before him according to the laws by the assistance of his counselors, whom he has chosen or will choose among the elders of the church. This is the duty of a bishop who is not a literal descendant of Aaron, but has been ordained to the high priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Thus shall he be a judge, even a common judge, among the inhabitants of Zion, or in the stake of Zion, or in the bran- or any, any branch of the church where he shall be set apart unto his ministry, until the borders of Zion are enlarged, and it becomes necessary to have other bishops or judges in Zion or elsewhere. And inasmuch as there are other bishops appointed, they shall act in the same office. But a literal descendant of Aaron has a legal right to the presidency of this priesthood, to the keys of the ministry to act in the office of bishop independently without counselors, except in a case where a president of high priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek, is tried to sit as a judge in Israel. Well, that's kind of cool. So if like, what it sounds like to me anyway, is like if you are a literal descendant of Aaron, you can be the bishop without any counselors. That's actually pretty crazy and awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I've even ever heard of that. Um, I don't even know why you would want that. <laughs> but I mean, you know me, I'm totally not usually a team player, so probably I would prefer that. <laughs> Anyways, and the decision of either of these councils agreeable to the commandment which says, and again, verily I say unto you, the most important business of the church and the most difficult cases of the church, inasmuch as there is not satisfaction upon the decision of the bishop or judges, it shall be handed over and carried up unto the council of the church before the presidency of the high priesthood. Okay, here in Redheaded Hostess, it says from verses 58 to 67, it was talking about, the organizational structure of the priesthood quorums of the church. It's like we can walk into our church buildings and see these verses in action. However, at this time, this structure was not known, but was line upon line being established. So in essence, each quorum needs a presiding officer and the one who presides over the high priesthood is the president of the church. And who was the presiding bishop at the time? Noel K. Whitney, Edward Partridge, Did a presiding bishop exist? Did they use this terminology? Once again, there are many questions that the Lord continued to answer line upon line. At this point, there was no presiding bishop as we have today. There were two bishops, each with an area of stewardship, but not a specific presiding bishop. That being said, there were also not ward bishops as ward bishops were not instituted since there were no wards yet. So what are the assignments of the bishops then? And what part of these assignments are carried over today? Marianne G. Romney explained the office of a bishop. As the church grew and the saints gained experience, the Lord distinguished between the responsibilities of the presiding bishop and local or ward bishops as they have come to be known. Today, in the various handbooks of the priesthood, you will find four major categories of duties appointed unto the ward bishop, except those duties which are unique to the presiding bishop of the church and those which were made inoperative at the time 
the formal law of consecration was suspended, the role of the bishop today is essentially the same as was defined in these early revelations. Bishops have been given added responsibilities for the youth and as presiding high priests of the ward, however, of all the bishop, bishops of, wait, so, sorry, of all the Bishops have been given added responsibilities for the youth as, and as presiding high priests of the ward. However, of all the bishops' assignments, as important as each one is, none is more important than the care for the poor. That's sweet. Okay, and then since we're currently about to be on number 79, let's go to that one. Um, did I read that? Yeah, not yet. Okay, and the present number 79, and the presidency of the council of the high priesthood shall have power to call other high priests, even 12, to assign or to assist as counselors, and thus the pre- presidency of the high priesthood and its counselors shall have power to decide upon testimony according to the laws of the church. And after this decision, it shall be had in remembrance no more before the Lord, for this is the highest council of the church of God, and a final decision up- upon controversies in spiritual matters. 81, there is not any person belonging to the church who is exempt from this council of the church. And inasmuch as a president of the high priesthood shall transgress, he shall be had in remembrance before the common council of the church, who shall be assisted by 12 counselors of the high priesthood, and their decisions upon his head shall be an end of controversy concerning him. Thus, none, 84, (laughs) thus none shall be exempt from the justice and the laws of God that all things may be done in order and in solemnity before him according to truth and righteousness and again verily I say unto you the duty of the president over the office over a deacon is to preside over 12 deacons to sit in council with them and to teach them their duty edifying one another as it is given according to the covenants okay so this is interesting because Finn is currently in the deacon's quorum and he's in the deacon's quorum presidency. And so it shows right, tells us right here what it is that they're supposed to be doing. A deacon, uh, the duty of the pres- president over the office of a deacon is to preside over 12 deacons to sit and counsel with them and to teach them their duty and edifying one another as it is given according to the covenants. So that's cool. And also the duty of the president over the office of the teachers is to preside over 24 of the teachers and to sit in council with them, teaching them the duties of their office as given in the covenants. Also the duties of the president over the priesthood of Aaron is to preside over 48 priests and sit in council with them to teach them the duties of their office as is given in the covenants. This president is to be a bishop for this is one of the duties of the priesthood again the duty of the president over the office of elders is to preside over the over 96 elders and to sit in council with them and to teach them according to the covenants oh i remember when we had a ward where they had two elders quorums because they had so many elders it's pretty pretty cool huh hmm This presidency is a distinct one from that of the 70 and is designed for those who do not travel into all the world. 
And again, the duty of the president of the office of the high priesthood is to preside over the whole church and to be like unto Moses. Behold, here is wisdom, yea, to be a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet, having all the gifts of God, which he bestows upon the head of the church. And it is according to the vision showing the order of the 70 that they should have seven presidents to preside over them, chosen out of the number of the 70. And the seventh president of these presidents is to preside over the six. And these seven presidents are to choose other 70 besides the first 70 to whom they belong and are to preside over them. And also the other 70 until 70 times seven. <laughs> I didn't know that. Or like, sorry. I, um, and also other 70 until seven times 70 if the labor in the vineyard of necessity requires it. Okay, um... That's so cool. And it says 97. And these 70 are to be traveling ministers unto the Gentiles first and also unto the Jews. I wonder if this 70 number is to help us remember how the Lord wants us to forgive others. Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of cool, though. Like, I like that. I never really noticed that before. (laughs) And these 70, because the Lord doesn't ever do anything on accident. Everything's on purpose. And if it's on purpose, that means it has some kind of a meaning. Um, And if it has a meaning, I want to know what it is. (laughs) Because then I'll be blessed and to know what it is. And it's just cool when you can know more stuff. Okay, and number 97. And these 70 are to be traveling ministers unto the Gentiles first and also the Jews. Whereas other officers of the church who belong not unto the twelve, neither to the seventy, are not under the responsibility to travel among all nations. <laughs> but I want to travel, so I don't know why we wouldn't be have that responsibility, but okay. <laughs> Let me keep reading. But are to travel as their circumstances shall allow, notwithstanding they may hold as high and responsible offices in the church. Wherefore, now let every man learn his duty and to act in the office in which he is appointed in all diligence. He that is slothful shall not be counted worthy to stand, and he that learns not his duty and shows himself not approved shall not be counted worthy to stand. Even so, amen. Wow, that was intense. Oh, we're going to read this one. Section 108 is short. Okay, 108. We're going to read so fast because floors awake. Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, December 26, 1835. This section was received at the request of Lyman Sherman, who had previously been ordained a 70 and who had come to the prophet with a request for a revelation to make known his duty. I love it because sometimes we don't know about our duties, right? Uh, when we get called to things, especially back then, they didn't even have somebody that had the calling that they had previously. So it was like totally didn't know what to do. You know, at least when I was the word bulletin person, I could submit my, um, I could give all my stuff over to the next person because I had been the previous one, but they didn't have that back then. So that's why they had to ask the Lord for everything, which, you know, it's the best idea anyway, because the Lord's the one, you know, calling us and stretching us to become better that he's going to always show up and help us. One to three, Lyman Sherman forgiven of his sins, because that is something we always worry about. Four to five, he is to be numbered with the leading elders of the church. Six to eight, he is called to preach the gospel and strengthen his brethren. 
um, here in the Redheaded Hostess, it says, what do you do during the Christmas holiday season? The Prophet Joseph mentioned that on December 26th, he was at home all this day and enjoyed myself with my family. Isn't that fun? That's found on Joseph Smith's papers. And it, it appears that this time alone with his family did not last long as he was busily and urgently trying to learn more from the Lord and others. In this case, he was studying Hebrew. While in the process of this study, 31-year-old Lyman Sherman, who had previously been ordained as 70, requested of the prophet that he would make known my duty. Sherman had been a member of Zion's camp and had been called as one of the seven presidents of the 70. This revelation, now known as Section 108, was the Lord's response to Lyman's request at the hand of the prophet. That's pretty cool. Okay. One, verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Lyman, your sins are forgiven you because you have obeyed my voice in coming up hither this morning to receive counsel of him whom I have appointed. Therefore, let your soul be at rest concerning your spiritual standing and resist no more my voice and arise up and be more careful henceforth to observing your vows, which you have made and do make, and you shall be blessed with exceeding great blessings. Uh Oh, Miss Flora, she's, she's awake and getting sad. Wait patiently until the solemn assembly shall be called of my servants. Then you shall be remembered with the first of mine elders and receive right by ordina- ordination with the rest of mine elders whom I have chosen. Hello, Flora. Hi. How's Flora? You, you want to get up? Here we go. She likes getting up on her bed. She's not quite to standing by herself yet, but she sure loves standing when she's on her bed. Huh. Is that so fun? Is that fun? Say hi. Ha! Ha! <laughs> I you were saying hi. Ha! Hi! Yeah? What else? Are we reading? We're almost done. And we want to preserve your cute voice. Say hi. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Thank you. Ah. Yeah. Ah. We love it. Love that voice. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna ah. miss it even next week. It's gonna get a, It's gonna get even more defined. Huh? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And then he's going to get so big, he's going to be speaking words and things. Ah. Are you throwing kisses? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Let's turn off this white noise. It's so loud. nice surprise it's a nice surprise on our oh yeah what is that that is that giving kisses thank you <laughs> i love it miss that's so cute okay we're gonna keep reading so that oh where are we going yeah get yourself up there don't fall down stay up Okay, wait patiently until the solemn assembly can be called of my servants. Then, oh, I already just read this. No worries. 
Number five, behold, this is the promise of the Father unto you if you continue faithful. And it shall be fulfilled upon you in that day that you shall have right to preach my gospel wheresoever I shall send you from henceforth from that time. Therefore, strengthen your brethren in all your conversation, in all your prayers, in all your exhortations, and in all your doings. Oh, I love that. Just strengthen everybody in everything that you do. That's just our job. Our job is just to strengthen everybody. Huh. And behold and lo, I am with you to bless you and deliver you forever. Amen. Oh, that was really sweet. Okay, well, thanks for showing up today. Thanks for being here with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's our special guest. She's our special podcast guest. And we will be here again next week. I love you. Bye.